Welcome back to another episode of The Athletic Mind, where we dig deep and shed light on the mental side of sports for athletes and coaches by having open conversations about mental health, mindset, and performance. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Athletic Minds. For those of you who were not with us last week, uh, if you missed the update, Lauren is unfortunately stepping away from the podcast as co-host as she has uh, a lot on her plate with coaching these days and you know it's really important to respect work-life balance so uh, we will definitely miss her but the great conversations will continue on and today we have special guest Heidi Kivima from Finland welcome to the show Heidi how are you doing hi thanks Taylor I'm doing really well uh, thanks for having me. No, thanks for joining to come on. Uh, a lot of people have a little bit of like stage fright, even though this is just a virtual phone call between me and you and that's being published. So <laughs> thank you so much for agreeing to be here. I think our topic today is like super important because we're going to be talking about brain health, especially in uh, the world of hockey, as many of you know, very uh, aggressive, very physical game. And if we are not taking care of our brain health, then we are unfortunately leaving, uh, leaving our career up to chance. And there's so many other negative repercussions from not having that taken care of. So Haiti, I will give you the floor to introduce yourself, share a little bit about who you are and you know how you came to be in this industry. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, hello to all the listeners as well. Really glad to be here. Um, my name is Heidi Kivima and I am from Finland. I'm the CEO and co-founder of the company called Northern Sports Inside Intelligence. And what we have created from the scratch is Act Head Impact Tracker, which is a measuring device for forces and impacts acting on a head while doing sports. Um, my background, yeah, usually you're always somehow involved in sports when you're working in the sports industry. Uh, I used to play hockey myself. Uh, I was a goalie, probably not as good as Taylor uh, was, but yeah, it definitely was one of the big loves of my life, uh, ice hockey that is. Um, and I played for, I think, for seven years or so uh, and left on the top, or in, in Finland at least, on the elite level. Um, but I never made it further than being fourth in the Finnish national with my team. But, you know, so that was one part. So I was never good enough uh, in that. So that I had to come up with something else to do and what could be better uh, than actually trying to make a difference to how things are done uh, in sports coaching um, and, uh, you know, like everything that has to do with, with, with the sports um, in context of brain health uh, and uh, safety and well-being as well. Um, so basically, um, I think that like if our mission is really to help the sport actors. Um, so this means teams, clubs, coaches, trainers, and, and everyone involved with the athletes and who have a capability on making a difference to help um, to make your, if you're an athlete yourself, but um, so, so make it, make it your, you know, like in short, medium and long term, just make things better so that you would have lower risk for 
uh, traumatic brain injuries or these brain diseases like CTIs and dementias um, that you know, can actually be contributed during your career of sports. Uh, so it's a big thing and definitely we need everyone on board uh, because there is a big mindset change first that has to be done. It's like, okay, so this is, you know, we acknowledge that there is a problem. We, we you know, like everyone needs to acknowledge that, you know, the problem exists, that they want to do something about it. They want to dedicate most of all, you know, some effort and time into how they can actually do things better. And that is where I hope that every one of you all out there as well can do a little bit of that, like, you know, work in your respective teams and clubs that, you know, things could start improved significantly because they can be improved. Mm -hmm. I guess that was my intro or <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much for sharing. It's great. And like, you know, I'd like to hear a little bit more about the actual impact sensor itself. So the listeners can have a better understanding as to really how it works in real time and what differences are being made, like you said, in the short, medium and long term. So like impacts, mm -hmm. you know, how frequently they come, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So if we start from, you know, what is it, what, what's, what's brain? We all know that, yeah, we have a brain and, and you know, we've got a good uh, understanding on what it is, but brain is actually our like operating system. And that's why it is a big, you know, there's a big difference if something is happening to your brain or if you, you know, if some, if you, uh, something happens to your ankle or so. Um, so that's why these, these brain related incidents should absolutely be taken into you know like utmost seriousness um it is the most complex organ in our bodies and for example you know one of the things where we usually consider when something is wrong with you know anywhere in our body we we have pain receptors which so the pain is one of these nice indicators that we get uh, that you know your back your uh, your um you know wrist whatever it is that something is wrong in your brain tissue, there is no such receptors, which means that, you know, if something is, is um, going wrong or happening in your brain, you don't get the signal. So you can't rely on that. Um, then there is something which is very important is that a lot of times we talk about these impacts, but you don't need to have an impact. If you have a blow or a jolt, which is violent enough, you know, that's just as good and can cause you a traumatic brain injury or contribute to the brain diseases just as, as much. And that is because the problems are actually caused by not that, you know, something is tapping on your skull, but that your head is moving because that head movement is making your brain tissue within your skull to move, rotate, and, you know, kind of, um, I'm sorry, English is not my first language. So it's, you know, bounce inside your skull. And that is when these damages can be happening for your brain tissue. So it is about the head movement. And for this very same reason, you can't fix this problem by wearing a helmet. Helmets are great, always wear a helmet, but they are absolutely fantastic in securing you from the you know, skull fractures, soft tissue damages. And of course, you know, um, most of them have some kind of technologies and, and materials that will help to absorb some of those forces making your head move or, you know, making, making it stop uh, a little bit, you know, uh, lo longer, longer period of time, which will, which will help. 
a little, but it's not fixing this problem. Not at all. Mm -hmm. And same with the mouth guards, you know, they, how would they stop your head from moving or using them? You know, so, so they're great for, for teeth and gums and, you know, mouth protection and all that. But so we can't rely on these things, which a lot has been kind of referred to always as, okay, so these are going to fix the problem. No, they're not. They're part of the solution, but you know, that's not enough. So, um, uh, so also one thing that you can't really train your brain tissue to be more resistant because it's actually working quite the opposite. So the more incidents or impacts or forces acting on it, the worse it is. So you should try and aiming, lowering that level. So, you know, like not having impacts, having lower magnitude impacts and having them as, as far apart as they are definitely always taking your time to heal in between the damages uh, occurred there and so on. So these are super important things. So if you, if you think that you can just like bounce your head to the wall and make it more resistant, that's wrong. Do not do that. It's not <laughs> going to work out. Um, and then, yeah, like, so, you know, like how, what, how easily we do get these, you know, problems, either TBIs so or traumatic brain injuries, concussions, um, are, or are we the ones who are going to develop CTI or something because of this? There is a big difference between the groups, you know, like most of the information, the research and everything that we, we see out there today is on adult male. Mm. And when we know already as of today that the traumatic brain injuries, for example, as females, we do get them more in the similar sports that we do with the men with the similar rules. They are usually having stronger symptoms, which last longer. So the recuperation uh, is, is longer than with males. And then of course, when you talk about youth and children in the sports, when your brain is still developing, I don't think anyone in, you know, even in the medical community has a full understanding on how is that, you know, developing brain mm -hmm. having an impact on, on, you know, like into this subject as well. So, it's very important us as a females to kind of understand that for, for us, because of our gender, this is even probably even more important for, than for men because we have higher risk mm -hmm. due to hormones, could be because of our physics, longer necks, uh, not as strong neck muscles, you know, like back muscles, shoulder muscles, and all these torso supports and things, you know, maybe we have, you know, inferior. Um, conditions where we play or we don't invest so much money on our on our equipment or we play in uh, arenas where you know like the, the safety uh kind of uh gears like um like on the rink does not exist like they do in men or there can be like and there probably is a lot of contributing factors to that but that is why this matter should be so at our heart and we have to demand uh, for for more to be done regarding that to keep us safe and our, mm -hmm. our brains healthy yeah yeah absolutely and I think you make a, a really great point when you're talking about uh, children and youth in sport and I know I think we've recently talked about this that in uh, somewhere in uh, Canada they've made it uh, and you can't hit in hockey until the age of 16 and I mean like you were saying right like the brain is still developing so if we're introducing these hard hits at such a young age then of course our our kids are going to be more at risk and like their entire future at risk if something goes wrong and it's 
I think it's such a good thing that they've said that it, it's not going to be until the age of 16, because I think it was sooner than than this before. Um, but maybe it's even worth discussing, like extending that even further. But then it gets more into like the the sports politics, I think, because we're starting to see so many young guys coming up to to play at really high levels much earlier now that the game is developing even further. But um, the reason I bring this up is because even when I was in high school, uh, one of the guys that I knew who played hockey, he took a hit from behind and he's lucky that he didn't completely like go paralyzed from the neck down. Like for a while he was, then he ended up you know, going through a lot of like really heavy uh, physiotherapy, had a neck brace for a really long time. And I don't know if he he plays anymore, but like that's just in high school with the hitting that they were allowing God, like 10 years ago, which is like crazy to think I was in high school 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> but it's it's also great that you mentioned the like physiological differences between gender, because that's another thing that I've talked with um, someone else about who will hopefully be coming on the podcast in the future. But she's been studying um, like physio- physiological differences between men and women for a long time mm-hmm. and looking at any sort of kinesiology book, it's always men that they have featured in these because all the studies have been done on men rather than women. So of course there's major differences here and probably a lot of things that we don't know yet as well. But you mentioned also the the helmets, right? Like this is great. So you don't crack your skull open, of course, wear your helmet always. Uh, but it doesn't stop your brain from shaking around inside your skull because you can't put cushions in there, right? Mm-hmm. And so it kind of brings up, for me at least, like, so what is the difference between sports in terms of these types of hits and magnitudes? Because in soccer or football, depending on where you live, um, this is, I don't know, like I would think if I'm smacking my face with the ball like repeatedly <laughs> that my head is definitely going to take a beating, Um, But if you also look at hockey, you know, the hits, especially in men's hockey, are obviously like bigger magnitude than hitting your head with the ball, I would think. So I was hoping to get your insights on this matter. Absolutely. And thanks for, you know, just putting those those words out into, you know, underlying some of these things. And and one thing which um, which is for everyone, again, very good to understand is that, you know, when we are going to improve things there are few things that we have to look into and um, this is exactly uh building into this uh soccer versus ice hockey for example so the these um there is like three things that we have to pay attention to and they are the three contributing things regarding the impacts and forces acting in the head and these are number of these events so how many do you get throughout your whole uh, personal life or athlete career or you know so that that's like that's one critical element here then number two is the magnitude of these impacts so this means how hard the head is or how violent the forces are which are acting uh, on your head and then there is uh, number three which is the frequency and proximity of these events uh, on the head right and all of these are quite different but they're all contributing into the same uh, uh, things. So when we look at the number of events, this obviously is something that in soccer is in, 
entirely different league, so to speak, because you do use your head for playing quite actively uh, in, in many uh, countries and, and many, many cases. So when you are hitting a ball, that is, you know, an event to your head, depending, obviously, uh, a lot of things um, like how, how far is it coming from, how fast pace does it come into, how, how well are you prepared to do that, how good of a technique you have, how good of a physical, you know, like uh, physically prepared you are to do these things and so on and so forth. Depends really like how big the magnitude of these events is. But I think that um, if we're just thinking about like one sport where you have the most events, so the number of events is the highest, it's probably going to be soccer. Like it, soccer, like when we look at the, uh, the players in uh, on average. Um, then we come into the magnitude, which is, you know, like one event with magnitude high enough, you can get the TBI, the concussions and, and all of these things. Right. So the dynamics is more into traumatic brain injury uh, development uh, in you can get that from one incident only, you know, if the magnitude is high enough in hockey. This is the more typical thing that let's think about, you know, you get tackled in the middle of the, of the field and you just fall down, you know, and you hit your head on the ice. It's super hard. <laughs> So, you know, that is a quite typical event um, for, for ladies, for example, that I've seen um, from our experience and the data that we have collected. Those may have very high uh, magnitudes in them. So that is a potential uh, for concussion development, for example. Same with, you know, if you get um, tackled on the, on the rank and you hit your head, you can even have that multiple times and so on and so on. Um, so these are like more of a hockey incident. So in hockey, definitely less in numbers, but higher in magnitude than in soccer, for example. So, um, so th this is like the dynamics, uh, so which are, which are very different from sport to sport. Then um, about the frequency and proximity. So obviously, when we have like say in 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 um, European football soccer, if we are talking about that, any given practice, a player can get you know something like from ten to say twenty five. Um, in, uh, events on ahead, but maybe their magnitude is right about, you know, between 10 and 25 G forces, for example. And then in hockey, it may be that, you know, you don't get any in a practice, but you go into a game, you get tackled and you get something which is well beyond 100. So this is, you know, this, this is just a picture of these two games, but then the frequency is much higher in football. However, the proximity is something which we would be, we would need to be very, very careful with in hockey. And proximity means that there is a second impact syndrome, which means that if you go back to the game, when you have had even a mild concussion, mild, you know, like mild TBI, um, and you're not recuperating, you're not ready to go. You think you are, but there is still some kind of fixing going on in your brain, which should take place. You go in, you get another one, and you might get a second impact syndrome, which might be, you know, like it has high mortality rate, and it's a great, it's, there is a really high chance that you will have long, lifelong lasting um, consequences from that. And it is completely possible to avoid it mm -hmm. because if you just don't go back there before you are ready to go so when when a medical professional has cleared that yes you have 
you, you are recovered, you don't have this anymore, you're good to go back. You know, you should always wait for this. Always have this check and never, ever, you know, take any chances with that. So it is 100% avoidable, but this is what you have to do. So the proximity of, of two, uh, like, uh, concussions, for example, is, you know, th this can be definite uh, for your uh, health and well-being for the rest of your life. So as you can see, you know, it's like we kind of think that there, there isn't like many things that we should be aware of. But of course, you know, it's not that easy. You say, I'm going to go into the box and I, I can't control what's going to happen to me uh, in the box, you know, because I, you know, like there is a lot of players and, and th that's when we play and all that. But there is still a lot of things that you can do because there is like these three factors that um, and you really have to think about not just now, but throughout your whole career. Um, because there is a very, very strong cumulative nature to this. Like when we have heard that there is now hockey players with the CTIs and stuff, um, that is something that the number of events and the magnitudes together combined, you know, that's what, what, what is very relevant, for example, into these kind of a more brain disease a little bit like maybe not now, but in, in five years, 10 years, 20 years, even 30 years from now. But all of that, you know, what's being put in action and what's starting all these negative consequences is contributing into this brain disease development is done now in the pitches throughout your whole uh, sports career. And that is why we have to be acting now. Mm -hmm. So that in that 10 years, 20 years, or, or even later on in your life, you're not getting those irreversible damages, which will start showing as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, CTI, uh, dementia, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it shouldn't really come as too big of a surprise that some, uh, some you know, hockey alum are showing the, the CTI signs, uh, because... I mean, the game is continuously developing. It's getting faster. The hits are getting harder. And and I think uh, we're seeing, I mean, just look at the news recently, like a lot of really freak accidents happening on the ice these days as well. And so, like, it's it's very important to protect yourself, not just so you have a longer sport, but so you can also enjoy life after sports too. Because, I mean, what, the the mean age for most hockey players is until mid-30s, maybe late 30s, early 40s. If you're lucky, you might get a little bit further than that. Um, it's a very physical game. It's very exhausting, very tiring for the body. So we have to be able to make sure that we're doing what we can for ourselves and for coaches to do what they can for their, their athletes and their teams to make sure that they're protected and that they have a an opportunity to enjoy a long career and also to enjoy life after that career has finished right and so from from you what are some ways that are, are the, the coaches who invest in these technologies for their athletes for their teams what is it that they can be doing with that data to better equip their players to play smart Good question. And these coaches who will do these improvements is actually exactly the people that all of us, you know, we need to convince them that this is something that has to be done. But there is definitely, you know, a lot of things uh, involved into this. Um, one is decrease the number of events. 
Um, of course, this is again something that is easier done in football if you put some numerical restrictions on headings than in ice hockey where there is less uh, less uh, events, um, for example. But nevertheless, we should always consider these events, number of these events, and try to put that down. Then there is the magnitude. So there's lots of things contributing to this, like how high the force is, how violent these forces are for these impacts which are acting in this, the uh, forces acting in these impacts. But you can definitely do things to be better prepared because yes, it is very true. You can't always like not or prevent them from happening, but you have a lot of things that you can do in order to be better off in those situations as well. Um, you should improve the techniques in these events, which are typical in hockey, um, which have, um, you know, are, are, are featuring forces or impacts acting in the head. Could be giving a tackle, receiving a tackle, uh, mm. any kind of uh, action um, by, by the rank side. Uh, it could be falling, falling downs. It could be, you know, there is, if we don't even know what these are, then we absolutely have to start by looking into what are these events yeah. in, in respective, like female versus men, juniors, age groups, you know, mm -hmm. uh, recreational uh, elite and everything. And I have to say that we're, that's probably where, where the whole sport is. We, we don't have this information exactly. But that's where we should start and then focus on the techniques training the way that we can do it now it's not just you know like how we've done it before but now we can actually measure how do you use your body and, and your posture how do you hold your head and everything so that we can see that there is less magnitude on your head less movement to your head so mm -hmm. which is you know going to be the new way of teaching the techniques mm -hmm. in this situation so that is definitely one thing then you can improve your physics and, 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 you know, like to be better, better prepared uh, for these kind of events. And there is a lot of different things. You can have certain muscular, um, muscular groups and, uh, and, and things that you have to improve. Some of them that you don't even know about as of today, which will play a, a relevance here. Um, you definitely um, kind of need to uh, control your whole kind of, you know, body in order to support. Uh, your, your poster and everything in these situations about, you, you know, your speed and how agile you are plays some kind of a role here as well about the balance. And then, you know, like how, how your eyes are following these things. So how, how well are you prepared in a, uh, in a, in a different way? So, so these vestibular uh, systems, for example, that they call. So there is many physical things that you can also and you should also be training in a complete different way and intensity that you do today so that you will be better off when something happens. Then obviously some, you know, like some players are at higher risk because of your play style, because of your position that you play, uh, because your, your physics or, you know, whatever, whatever the reason. So the coaches can, when they get the information on the whole team or even, you know, if, if there's like a club and you can, you know, even compare the, the, the different teams, with, uh, the data between the different uh, players and different teams, you will be able, they will be able to see, you know, who's getting more in number, who's getting bigger in magnitude, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, and then those are the people at the highest risk and that's where they should start looking into, you know, breaking that down. Why is that? Mm -hmm. Then you have some events, you got some drills, you got, you know, like, where is the risk? 
And this is just what they see in a data. So when, when are these things happening? To whom, why, when, da, 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 you know? Mm -hmm. So this is what they would need to understand and then start looking into those things which are posing the highest risk for one individual or to whole team and they should be addressed. Adjust the mm -hmm. drills, you know, like uh, how you're going to, uh, to um, put them, you know, throughout the season, practicing certain things and, and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. Uh, and obviously also players, you know, out there on the pitch, we can do pretty bad damage for other players or ourselves based on the decisions, the not very clever decisions that we make on the pitch. Mm -hmm. So also that should reflect on the risk that, you know, um, that there is. So we should also change the attitude a little bit over there, um, which is probably best done when we create the awareness for this fact. We make everyone understand, you know, what is their role um, in, in creating these situations and potentially damaging, uh, you know, other people or causing them lifelong uh, problems and, and, and health concerns. And what is it that they could do better so that these, these could be minimized? Mm -hmm. So it definitely is, you know, a pool of things, many things, soft things, you know, harder things that... You know, I think that also referees should be much harder on things, you know, like uh, what, what, what are causing these head impacts, you know, and, and all that. So there is many different uh, sports actors here who could uh, play a difference and, and make a difference and, and do and contribute into this matter. But mm -hmm. the key is that every single one of us, every single one of the players, coaches, team personnel, you know, they can do this. Yeah, yeah they can do their share. Yeah, everybody has a role to play and that goes for, you know, whether you're talking about your own personal development, the team development or just overall. And so I know that you have to run. So I'm going to like quickly wrap up here. But I just wanted to, first of all, emphasize like that this is preventative and proactive for brain health and for mental health for athletes. So coaches, I know I said this so many times before, but I'm very much like an athlete center coaching advocate. I know that this is something that's really going to help uh, your athletes be safer in their game and also maybe also like help them to develop some, some different skill sets that will not only keep them safe, but help them to grow as an athlete as well. And so Katie, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. And I think this is uh, really great information for all the listeners. So before you go, can you please just leave some of your contact info here for people if they would like to learn a little bit more? Absolutely. Would it be possible to actually write them somewhere in the podcast? If I yeah, I'll, them I'll, put them in the, I'll put them in the show yeah. notes. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be awesome. So our website is www act dash is this dash mm -hmm. <laughs> and then tracker.com so you can find more information and pictures on the products and you know the, the, some descriptions and services and so on and so on uh, and please if you're in linkedin i would love to hear from you my name is Heidi kivima so h-e-i-d-i-k-i-v-m-a-a I would love to hear from you. Please reach out over there. And also, Taylor, thank you so much for having me over. Thank you so much for working with me. And I think that we all want to make things better. So please join us for absolutely, you know, asking, bringing out the word and making a difference so that we could all enjoy having healthier, happier rest of our lives and ensure that there are children 
you know, we'll mm -hmm. have it better than, than any of us have today, because there's certainly a lot that could be and should be done better. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you so me. much, Heidi. It's great to have you and we'll see you again soon. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Ciao. All right. That was Heidi Kivima. Thank you again for joining on the podcast. Lots of really great information here, not just for athletes, but also for coaches. So please, if you care about your players' head health, brain health, and their safety, go check out uh, act-tracker.com to learn a little bit more. And as always, a big thank you to all our listeners who support every single week and continue to come back and listen. So thank you guys so much. If you uh, could kindly follow us on whatever platform that you listen, us, listen to us on, that would be great. And also leave us a five-star rating. Now, for those of you who want to learn more about mental performance coaching, you can head over to my website, www.taylor-minds.com, and you can learn more about how mental performance coaching can help you improve your game, whether you're an athlete or a coach. So until next week, I will see you guys later.